This is the Conservative Millennial Perspective Podcast with your host, Scott Hopkins, giving out the truth, fighting for America. Hello and welcome to the Conservative Millennial Perspective Podcast. We have a lot to cover today. It's going to be a little bit longer. Just want to give you a heads up. But the two things that I want to talk with you today is a stinking controversy going on around the United States Post Office and the big deal the Democrats are making about it when in reality they have a lot to do with the problems and have been the main cause and the issues of the problems for the last 30 years of the United States Post Office. We're also going to talk a little bit about Kamala Harris and, uh, and kind of give you just a little bit, not a lot, a little bit of the insight of who she is and what she's about. And that way it'll help you and give you more of an idea of, of who Biden picked. And uh, so the way, that way people can be more educated uh, of their pick um, this upcoming November. We have a lot in store for you, a little bit over time, but we hope that you're going to enjoy and you're going to like it. Here we go. Okay, so let's get started. And the first thing that I kind of want to get into right away is the post office controversy. And you may not know it. You may not be understanding uh, about all of it, and, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around some of the things that are going on, but it's important for you to understand the facts because everything gets skewed in all types of media, left and right, and so I'm going to try to give you um, some things that have been going on and just let you decide, but I think it's super important for you to understand and know about this because I do believe and I'm... Um, just, you know, from my podcast, I've had several people now tell me that, oh, I didn't know that, Scott. I didn't know that this was happening. Or I didn't know uh, this about Biden or I didn't know this about, you know, such and such. And, you know, that's because most of the time we let the news do all the work for us and we don't really look into things ourselves. And I understand that we're busy, but this is an important year and not only an important year, I, I do believe that if we don't stand up right now, that we are going to get ran over, the country is going to change, and it will not be the America that you and I even grew up in. Um, it will not be in the America that a millennial grew up in. It'll be a totally a different America based upon socialistic Marxist ideas um, from a radical left that wants to take power and spread lies and falsehoods just so that they can have the power that they want. I mean, that's honestly what I think. And you may say, wow, that's an extreme view, but guess what? If you look, you can see it. It's not an extreme. It's there. And uh, we're fighting it. We fought it in the 60s uh, of, of McCarthyism. Or, sorry, the 50s in, of McCarthyism. Then you all of a sudden, you, you have this Marxist scare that end up happening. And you had people that were secretly communists, card-carrying communists in Hollywood. You remember hearing about those things. And then you have a man that comes on the, the scene named Ronald Reagan, who's really opposing, who changes his stance, actually, if I'm not mistaken, in the 50s from a Democrat to a Republican and really starts becoming talking heads for um, a lot of people and, and voice in his opinion. He becomes the first uh, uh, Republican governor, I think, elected for, for California in a while. Uh, and then from there, he progresses and becomes the, the president of the United States. And he enacts a lot of things uh, in America that were great and reversed a lot of the direction that we were headed and that's why you hear called Reaganism or Reaganomics or all these things because Reagan knew where the United States was, ha uh, was heading. And now we are literally um, 21 years, uh, sorry, 31 years removed away from Reagan and look where we're at today. 
And so I, I do believe it's, it's our job. It's my job, but I believe it's your job as well to look into these things, and especially the post office. And so what's interesting is I, 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 I listen to a lot of podcasts, and that helps me find some information. So I look up articles. I just don't take the podcast for granted. Like they know all the truth because everyone is biased. You know, just like I am biased, you listen to my bias, and, and those that agree will listen. And those that there might be some that listen right now that don't agree, but find it entertaining. I don't know. Thank you for listening. Um, but uh, at the same time, uh, you know, there's always going to be bias. So I pulled up this uh, Reuters article, and Reuters does a lot of like an investigation stuff into the United States Post Office and, and whatnot. And so I wanted to, you know, find out a little bit of the claims so I could read them just easily for you here. Um, that way you understand, you know, what's going on. So um, some of the stuff, some of the problems that have been going on is, first of all, I think it really started with a, a, the coronavirus bill back in May that uh, the Democrats pushed for $3 billion more dollars um, for uh, uh, the, the, uh, the post office for relief in some other areas and, and blah, 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 blah. And mind you, the post office has been actually democratically controlled for quite a while. Well, what I mean by that is there is an ultimate, I guess, postmaster that he's over everything. And uh, he can be nominated um, by the president, but the board of, 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 of uh, directors, I think, has to vote on it and whatnot. Well, I guess this guy, which is best, basically appointed by Trump, named uh, Louis DeJoy, um, came into power in, in June so to speak, came to power. Um, so you already have the Democrats. They're already upset because they're not getting the $3 billion in coronavirus relief. And the reason why, the president was like, well, you know, you, you uh, literally the money that, that the post office makes, it just squandered and there's been deficits for years for the post office. Literally, we are constantly bailing, bailing them out. Now, here's another thing about the post office. They don't make any money except for the sale of stamps and their services. That's it. They, they don't make it off of anything else. So they actually, literally, for stamps, envelopes, and their services, that's it. Uh, the, 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 the state doesn't pay them, and the government doesn't pay them, okay? So I want you to know that, because that is a false claim that goes out there that says, you know what, they're getting you know, paid all this money. So President Trump's like, oh, I'm not going to give them this, because they've been squandering the money that they've been making. And, and they make money, let me tell you that. They make money, but... They've been in such a downfall for years and such a problem um, that they've been using the same truck, everyone knows this, for 30 years and they're finally looking at a new truck. They've been looking at getting a new truck for, I think, the last five. Uh, I think everybody remember that. We we're all excited. But the reason why they have put that on hold, this is what's crazy, is because their deficits every year have been so great they can't go ahead and buy the vehicles yet. So they've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And so that kind of gives you a little bit of background about the, the post office itself. It is its separate entity, okay? It was um, uh, founded in, I, I believe, the uh, um, 60, uh, 50s, 60s, somewhere in there. Uh, 40s, uh, 40s, sorry, the 1940s. It was founded around that time. It is as the one, one of the largest union groups in the country, okay? And like I said, board of directors vote and all these Things And so it, it has nothing to do with the government at all. A lot of people think, well, because the United States, it is nationalized. It's not, all right? Uh, but it's centralized power, one, one group, okay? Um, that's why you can have, you know, your, um, uh, you know, your other FedEx and whatnot coming in and helping out and stuff. 
with other deliveries, but but um, they they do all the mail mail. Um, so that just kind of gives you a, an idea there um, about the United States Post Office. Now this Reuters article, okay, um, they bring up some of the issues that are happening. One of them is the Louis DeJoy guy. He's appointed in June, and he's already fueled concerns um, over the Post Service's ability to handle the ballots. And made a big deal about that uh, if they're going to get out on time because of the lack of money and so just and such and so um, that's the other issue you know is that okay the the left the radical left wants this this voting to happen uh, via mail in voting now I understand that 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 it can happen but I'm totally against it because um, there there is too much in my opinion okay this is my opinion. There's too much um, issues for uh, – sorry, the, the audio there. Uh, there's too much issues for voter fraud and, and, and reports of, of, of ballots being thrown away. And, and you, you could just see the, the possibilities are endless with that, I think. You know, if you're healthy enough to get out and vote, vote. You know, this, this epidemic, this pandemic, whatever ridiculous stuff you want to call it, um, uh, 90 over 96 percent of people recover – um, less than 3% of the United States population has died, um, if you want to put it that way. Uh, it's actually 0.9% um, of the United States, or point, no, point, sorry, 0.01% of the United States population has, has actually died. So, and, and I'm not putting the deaths of COVID-19 as just, uh, you know, who cares? Um, you know, uh, I, I pray for the people that, that are getting sick. You know, my family has had it. But at the same time, we know this has gone on long enough. It's become way too political, and you see it now permeating and um, overflowing into other aspects of our lives. So the left, as I say, well, you can't get out and vote. Well, yeah, you can. If you can go to the bar and restaurants and whatnot, you can go out and vote, okay? If you can protest on the streets, you can go out and vote. If you can fight people, and they're not even protest now. If you can fight people and hurt them, you can vote, Okay. So this is what this guy, Mr. DeJoy here, he enacts. Starting in July, delivery drivers had to leave at scheduled times, even if their trucks are not fully loaded with mail, according to internal Postal Service documents and officers at postal unions. Previously, though, trucks often waited for mail sorting facilities to finish processing and loading the, day, the day's mail before carting it to branches for delivery by letter carriers. Now you say, well, that's not a big deal. Well, why is he making these dumb rules? He's doing this to cut cost, okay, mind you. They just came off of a quarter of like $3 billion lost, all right? Somewhere in that ballpark. It's, it's huge, okay? Don't quote me on that number there. Um, uh, sorry, 2.2. Here it is, sorry. 2.2. Uh, the reason why they've done this is they order restrictions on overtime hours for clerks and carriers, part of a bid to cut cost um, uh, at the financially troubled service. The agency has also ordered letter carriers at hundreds of post offices to head out on their routes immediately in the morning, carrying only packages and letters that were sorted the night before, according to an internal memo seen by Reuters. In some post offices, mail carriers have said the unsorted mail waits an extra day to be delivered. In others, carriers have said they doubled back to pick up a second batch later in the day. Some smaller post offices have been ordered to close at lunchtime to keep labor costs down. Now, I think these sound great ideas, okay, to cut costs. Because we're not going to, you're not going to be kept continually be kept um, being um, bailed out. But because they are the national mail service for the country, in a sense, it's like they know that they can hold people hostage. And the, the Democrat, the democratically run 
um, United States Post Office for all this time knew that they could hold our country hostage and keep asking money. And literally, that's what keeps them afloat. Here's another thing. Postal workers have reported that the agency is removing some mail sorting machines from facilities across the country. White House Chief of Staff um, uh, Mark Meadows on Monday said that initiative began under DeJoy's predecessor. Now, this was a little bit ago, um, not uh, too long ago, right? I believe. Um, and it said that the initiative began under DeJoy's predecessor. So it wasn't DeJoy that did this. Postal officer, uh, officials did not immediately respond to a request for a comment. Okay. Now, both Democrat and Republican members of Congress had voiced concerns over reports that curbside mailboxes have abruptly been removed in some states. All right, as well as uh, mailboxes, you know, that you go into the post office and all those there have been moved as well. And apparently, there's been a Reuters photograph over the weekend, last weekend, I believe it was, spotted a large pile of mailboxes in a storage facility in Hartford, Wisconsin, outside Milwaukee. Um, and, and so that's a little bit of an idea for you of what is going on. Now, there's another, another article I'd like to read for to, for, to you um, because I think this will get shed some light as well, all right? Uh, talking about how, how bad the post office is. Um, and this article, and it comes, uh, I believe, from, let me see here, let me pull it up. Um, several sources, actually, and it comes, um, uh, literally, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight different sources, okay, um, that this comes from. So this isn't just my ideas. This is, this is actually sourced out and whatnot, okay? So it says the post office controversy is more about bailing out government agency than it is about the election. Now, this is not, once again, an official government uh, agency. It is separate. There's nothing new about the reduction, though, in public mailboxes. That's the big issue here is these reduction of public mailboxes. And, and, and now what's happened is the radical left is trying to change the story and say that Trump is removing these public mailboxes so that people can't use mail-in um, uh, ballot voting. Um, that's the whole point. And so he's like, all right, if people aren't going to listen. I'm just going to remove it. Well, according to a 2009 Washington Post article, between 1985 to 2009, the number of iconic blue mail collection boxes nationwide declined from 39, or 395,000 to 177,000. In the years since, the number has declined another 20% to 141,900 as of last year. Now, for decades, the post office, like I said earlier, okay, has been slowly shifting away from letter collection because of loss of money. And this has seen a decline in demand over the last decade due to the rise of email, text messaging, and competition. That's why there's, there's loss of money as well. Nevertheless, the issue has been politicized in recent days by media and politicians claiming it's a threat to the upcoming November election and the de uh, demanding the Congress allocate billions to prevent disaster. The reality, however, is that the public is being goaded into picking sides in a political battle over funding the post office. As Ram Emanuel once said, never let a good crisis go to waste. And the coronavirus pandemic has provided just such an opportunity. So here's the facts. Um, once again, USPS uh, was an independent agency. I was wrong on the date. In 1971, the post office was reformed to remove it from the direct control, check this out, of the president. All right. It has a board of governors that, although appointed by the president, is bipartisan. The board appoints the postmaster general who reports it. However... Most of its employees are unionized, and the unions are heavily democratic. We all know that. It's more than 600,000 people organized by seven different unions. 
in the largest postal worker union, the National Association of Letter Carriers, which consists of 300,000, just last week endorsed Joe Biden. Now, that tells you a little bit about, about it, right? Now, the post office has more than enough resources to handle mail-in ballots. Every year during the week before Christmas, the post office processes, excuse me, listen to this, and delivers 2.5 billion pieces of first-class mail. That's about 500 million cards and letters a day. 500 million cards and letters a day, not to mention packages, or about four times more in one day than the entire number of ballots, in person included, cast in the 2016 election. From a sheer numbers perspective, none of the experts of this gentleman that's writing this article spoke with doubted that the Postal Service could handle a vote-by-mail election even if every one of the nation's more than 150 million registered voters stuck their ballot in a mailbox. Russell Berman writes in The Atlantic, as one noted to me, a presidential election might be a big deal, but in postal terms, it's no Christmas. Like I said, it does not operate on taxpayer money, okay? It receives no taxpayer dollars. The USPS may request, though, an appropriation for public service cost for up to $460 million annually. However, it has not requested or received this reimbursement since 1982. The problems at the USPS are not due to a lack of government funding, but instead to structural issues, exacerbated by political mandates. The aforementioned public swift away from first-class mail has hurt revenues at the post office, but an increase in parcel delivery has helped offset it. But while private sector companies have been able to adjust and remain profitable, the post office has been stomped by ill-advised political mandates. Um, there's been price increases on letters and junk mail for uh, example, you know, are capped at a rate of inflation, meaning it cannot adjust its prices as effectively as its private sector competition. Um, and so that's why sometimes you get cheaper rates with FedEx and other, not, uh, other things, right? Um, and a 2006 law compels the USPS to pay in advance for the health and retirement benefits of all its employees. Whoa! Which has cost an estimated $55 billion over the next 10 years. The United States Post Office uh, unions, uh, with their 600,000 workers, have repeatedly pushed Congress to stop most attempts at reform. In 2013, it squashed an attempt to save $2 billion a year by stopping Saturday delivery for regular mail, but not packages. You see that? Mm. And Congress nearly, nearly always refuses to allow closure of even the least active post office branches for fear of angering constituents. All of the above here that was just mentioned has led the agency to slide closer and closer toward insolvency with every passing year. In 2019, the United States Post Office reported an annual net loss. Listen to this, guys. Staggering. Okay? An annual net loss of $8.8 billion. It's 13th straight multi-billion dollar loss and more than double the $3.9 billion loss in the fiscal 2018 3.5 billion of the loss came, in, came from an increase in workers' compensation expenses. And the USPS projects losses will continue at accelerating rate. Hmm. However, the USPS has enough liquidity to operate through the election into the next year. Meaning it's not the upcoming election that requires more funding, as politicians would have you believe. Instead, politicians are attempting to lure the public into an existing political debate over whether the United States Post Office should remain self-sufficient via badly needed structural reforms to address the above-mentioned issues or whether it should essentially 
becoming another bailed-out government program that relies on taxpayer funds. Huh. White House, check this out. White House negotiators offered $10 billion for the Postal Service as part of the recent talks with Pelosi and Schumer over another COVID relief bill. Democrats want $25 billion in taxpayer funds, and Nancy Pelosi has called the House back in a session to negotiate it. Now, if I'm not mistaken, President Trump actually um, agreed to give the United States Postal Office $10 billion in bailout money, okay? But they call it economic stimulus. $10 billion for secrets of, of different things that it has. And that's uh, been confirmed um, and, and uh, has been uh, uh, given. Uh, and, and so um, $10 billion has been given, but yet you don't see anything of it. So it's interesting to me that the Democrats continue to want money for this, but it's all for um, politicizing some crazy things. I don't even know why we have to have a conversation about the United States Post Office and it being a factor um, in, in um, the election. They're afraid it doesn't have enough money to operate and to process the mail-in ballots. I mean, you've been hearing, send in your mail-in ballot 30 days in advance. You don't, they're projecting it may not make it. Well, we just read here that this is no Christmas. It doesn't even compare. 500 pieces of mail a day during Christmas season. All right. So when we're hearing the radical left's ideas, and I wouldn't say all Democrats are radical lefts, okay? But most, a lot of them are now. When you hear their ideas that the United States Post Office is not going to have money to um, operate for the mail-in uh, uh, vote ballots and stuff, and that tra President Trump is trying to change that and hurt that and, and, and try to run with that, Guess what? Now you know that's not the case. Now you know that's not the case. The union itself didn't even want cuts. They, they, they're trying to, they're literally, Pelosi is making such a big deal about a man trying to cut losses, or cut some things so they can save some uh, money there, and yet Pelosi's calling special session. This is just absolutely ridiculous. And I hope that you look more into this. I don't want to spend any more time on this because... I think it's absolutely ridiculous that we have to even talk about this. 20 minutes into this, I, I'm literally spending this much time because I do believe if I don't give this, no one's really going to know. I mean, I had to look into it and wondered why. And most Americans, most young Americans are going to take the headline, read it and go, oh yeah, Trump was doing this. I mean, that's what we often do. And so take it to the bank, do some more research on it. Next topic, it's going to be our last I like to keep these shows about 30 minutes, is Kamala, 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 Harris, Miss Harris, all right, Miss Harris. Now, she, last year around this time, got in a spat with Biden. And it's funny now that she is the vice president and they're A-OK. -okay. You know, what I find very interesting is that she won this nomination on the back of her skin color and her gender. Last time I checked, you looked at somebody's policies, how they vote, and a little bit of their character. Morals, yes, should be there, but at the same time, if you're voting for morality for somebody, everyone's going to fail on that one. Let's just be honest. It's a sad thing. You, you can't find somebody that has good morals 
and that's going to have the morals that's going to line up to you or even the biblical standards because no one's going to add up to that. And so you've got to do your best and oftentimes you're weighing based upon how they vote um, and, and their policies and, and such of that and how they take care of their constituents. Um, that's how I kind of like to look at things. And I, I feel like no longer we have the politicians that care about the constituents, but the constituents literally say, well, I line up closely with this person, so I guess we're going to vote for them. And they don't give a, 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 a booty all right, about any of us. They don't. And so you have Miss Harris here. She's claiming that she is African-American, but really she's from Indian descent. Um, one side of family is Jamaican. The other side is Indian. Her mom's Indian, I believe. Her, her, her uh, uh, dad is, is Jamaican. Dad divorced at the age of seven. Um, she was born around the age of, of the busing age. Um, remembers her parents saying that she... They, they marched on some of the segregation um, rallies or whatever, you know, to desegregate and whatnot. Um, well, that's great and all, you know, trying to, to really um, grab on that, especially this time during our, uh, the, all the circumstances. But what I find very interesting is the Democrats really threatened Biden, saying if you don't pick a woman and a black woman, well, then we're not going to really like you. I mean, he doesn't have the the guts to stand up for himself and pick, say, I want to pick whoever I'm going to pick. And just a side note, I think it's ridiculous that he did pick Ms. Harris because typically when you pick a vice president, you pick somebody that'll be that moderate that sways others um, to, to vote for you, um, especially in a state that you are typically a battleground state. But he picked California. They are the bluest state of blues. All right. So it doesn't really help him much, which is a good thing. On my side, I guess. But it doesn't really help him much. So obviously, you know, I started looking up uh, Miss Harris. And, and it's hard to find anything because Google likes to shelter a lot of that stuff, right? So I started looking her, looking her up. And, and she um, went to law school and um, graduated in 89 and got into politics right after. And um, one article I was reading actually stated that the people that she married or dated at first and then married helped um, push her forward in her politics career, political career. And she's used the money of others for the gain of herself. And that's how I kind of took it. Now, I know that happens quite a bit, but I, I, I find that very disgusting and using her race everywhere she went. Also, they claim, um, you know, that she is, so she's black and she's Indian and she's Asian. Okay, so let me tell you something. People from India, all right, they live in the Asian part of the world, okay? So they are classified as Asian. Not like you and I think with all the characteristics and features of an Asian, but they are classified. But she likes to, I'm the first black, Asian, Indian to be the vice president, oh, and woman to be vice president nominee ever. And, and uh, that's a whole different thing. Uh, I think we're all in agreement there. So I started looking. She became the, a district attorney for, uh, I believe it was San, San Francisco. And then she became the district attorney for all of California. Um, and, and those were two big positions. And something that really bothered me the most is um, in one of her, I believe it was when she was, and, and don't quote me on this one, but I, I am come to find out either she was in, um, 
It was either she was in San Francisco or she was the district attorney for California that she decided not to press the death penalty of a cop killer in 2016. Now, you and I, you know, would be like, well, that's preposterous. But there's many people that said, glad. Yeah, that's it. Stand up for the black man. Now, I don't know if it was black or white. I don't know. To me, that doesn't, that shouldn't matter, okay? You should judge somebody based upon the character of their content, not the character of their skin, as Dr. Martin Luther King so famously stated. But also, as well as, um, you know, I am not the judge of somebody. That's God. But I'm going to treat everybody respectfully because they're human beings. And that's God's image that he created, okay? And so, I don't know if this person was black or white, but killed a cop and didn't seek the death penalty at all. There's also a man that um, asked for a DNA, DNA test that um, was on death row and um, denied the DNA test and he died. Most people believe that he was an innocent man and this DNA test apparently would have proven that. And when he first committed the murder, uh, there was no DNA test at the time. What's really weird is she opposes the death penalty, but she allowed that to happen. Um, and, and then the police officer killer, uh, she didn't seek the death penalty on. Um, in her politics last year for her run for president, uh, she flip-flopped on a lot of things that she stood so strong on. She also made a bill in California, a truancy bill, that would literally criminalize um, parents for not taking their kids to school. Or, or their kids not, sorry, not taking their kids to school. Their kids not showing up, so the, kid, uh, the parents got in trouble for it. Um, in one of the articles I read, one kid was asked, why didn't you show up for school? He said, there's too much police tape and things around my bus stop. And this is inner city LA. Yeah, think about that. Inner city LA, probably Compton, or some rough neighborhood you know, that we all know it's famous for, right? Too much police tape. Yeah, I'm not going to be out the bus stop. Yeah, I don't know what's happening there. And the parents of that kid got in trouble. Made it a crime, a felony. All right? Now, I know there's a little bit more. She is um, radical in some of her thinking, but not as radical as you may think. Um, oftentimes, she says um, uh, many things to please the, um, the crowds uh, and, and runs on the idea, continually runs, on the idea of a woman and that she's black. And in my opinion, she's not. She's a woman, but she's not black. And that's besides the point. I don't know why we continue to be on this. Um, but she, her and herself, did not resonate very well with African Americans when she did run for president. Um, and so she's kind of flip-floppy. She's 55 years old. And there's not much else right now that I can find um, except the fact that she's been behind um, some of the, the craziest and weirdest um, uh, people already, AOC and Pelosi, and um, behind them, supporting them. And so that tells you a little bit about them um, and, and the radical ideas of the New Green Deal and, and such as that. I do believe that she was picked because they think and they know that Joe Biden isn't competent to run for president and that she would be the one doing everything. Um, and just to think how scary that is um, to, to think about. 
her as the president of the United States. Um, that's something that I think that we should all be concerned about. And so I kind of just want to give a little brief thing about her. Uh, I know there's more. I'm, I'm trying to dig up that. Um, uh, and, and so, you know, when I, when I get that, I hopefully I will be able to share with you um, about her. But um, she definitely is somebody to uh, to consider and watch because uh, she's not in for the best interests of the people. Okay, she she really isn't. Um, she's more about herself, and, and she's she's really best friends with um, Governor Newsom from California. You've known about him, okay? Uh, he he's very. Um, Socialistic Marxist. Okay. She definitely, um, if she's friends with him, she's going to agree with him. Um, and so I would definitely um, look into her her dealings with the, the political side going up. Um, excuse me. And, and, and definitely I would look into... Uh, a little bit more about her because it's going to educate you and maybe you're on the fence and not wanting to vote for Trump um, and think that Biden is the best. But these two people in two weeks now that we've been talking about hopes, hopefully gives you a little bit um, an idea uh, of, of you know who they are and, and can help you vote more educated. Um, so that way, you know, you can make the best decision. Uh, so... Uh, I, I, it bugs me though that the, the what's really pushed. Oh my goodness! What's really pushed is her that she's a, a woman, and she's black, and that's what she's done running on. Uh, and and what bothers me is other than that, there's not much that you really can dig up on the lady. She hasn't done much. So I don't know. She's definitely progressive in her ideas and thinking. Not as progressive as some may think, but she's wishy-washy. She goes back and forth um, and, and, and not really set on, on anything. She'll be what you want her to be. So basically is like if one group, the loudest group, she's going to follow the loudest group, okay? Um, and, and so I think that's some things to look into um, and, excuse me, and something for you guys um, to really consider. Uh, one other thing, too, is, is that she decriminalized, like, not decriminalized, but low-level crime. She didn't put as much sentences on. And so, um, and California is, like, one of the, if not the largest incarcerated state in America. Um, and so, you know, there are a lot of people there. And they have a drug problem, legalized. It's crazy. Um, and, and so she she made sure that, you know, just these drug offenses weren't a big deal. And there's been so much backlash from that. That's something... Um, that you should look at um, there, which should be a bother to you. Um, and, and so I would hope that this would be something that you'd look into and something that's very informative. Um, and and then as well as look into the United States Post Office. Um, and uh, other than that, I, that's all that I I have. We've gone over time. I do appreciate you listening. Thank you so much for your support, for all the listens in place. Please share this. Please, please, please share this. Um, you know, p- please subscribe if you haven't already via your podcast provider. 
Um, it, it really helps. And, and, and also as well as we'd like to do an episode with your um, questions and, and things like, like that, answering some questions. That's, so that's conservativetruthmp at gmail.com, conservativetruthmp at gmail.com. Uh, thank you so much for your listening. And uh, we hope to make this grow. Please share this with others. Please get the word out. Please share it on social media if you enjoyed it. Um, just share the podcast itself. We really appreciate you listening every single week. Um, and don't forget um, uh, to um, uplift uh, um, the little boy's uh, family last week that um, was executed right in front of his sisters. Kane Hissant, um, five-year-old um, male came up, or five-year-old died, male um, came up and happened to be a black male. Unfortunately, we have to say that. Um, came up and shot the boy in the head and killed him. And the media has been pretty silent on that. Um, and But yet, we're going to make George Floyd a hero when he served two terms of five years each um, in prison, known drug user, had fentanyl, had other drugs in him at the time of death. And yet, we want to make him a hero and say nothing about what happened last week. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this is encouraging, uplifting. Do some more homework. Find out who we're voting for. Don't take what the media says as truth. Thank you so much. God bless.